Welcome to the OC24 podcast, where we've taken some of the best talks and discussions from this year's 24-hour conference on global organised crime, which showcases some of the most interesting research into organised crime around the world. This episode is called Graphic Narratives of Organised Crime, Gender and Power in Europe. All right, let's, uh, let's get started. Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome to this panel on graphic narratives of organized crime, gender, and power in, in Europe. Uh, my name is Frederick Byrne Collard, and I'll be moderating uh, the session today. The, uh, the panel is inspired by a forthcoming book, uh, also entitled Graphic Narratives of Organized Crime, Gender, and Power in Europe, uh, by researcher Philia uh, Allen and artist Anna Mitchell, uh, which will be published in. Um, uh, next spring by uh, by Routledge in a series I edited on uh, gender, sexuality, and comics. Um, as a uh, creative graphic narrative, the book tells the story of five young women involved in different forms of criminal organizations and activities in, in Europe. And uh, doing so, the book not only raises vital questions about the importance of gender when analyzing organized crime, but also gives a voice to these women to show that they're not purely victims, but also have their own agency. Uh, in that way, the book questions the dominant lens um, so far used to investigate, collect, prosecute, and analyze organized crime that focuses solely on the men in, uh, in these organizations. So in today's session, uh, we'll first hear from one of the book's uh, co-authors, Philia Allen, who will talk to us about the motivations and methods behind the book. Uh, and then we'll invite our, uh, other panelists to comment and also open up the floor uh, to questions. But, uh, but to begin, I'll just briefly introduce uh, each of our panelists uh, here today. So um, <clears throat> first we have uh, Philia Allen, who is a senior lecturer in politics and Italian at the, at the University of Bath. And, uh, and she's currently a Leverhulme major research fellow. Uh, she also is on the steering committee of the European Consortium of uh, Political Research Researchers Standing Group on Organized Crime. Uh, she's the author of uh, Camaristi, Politicians and Businessmen, The Transformation of Organized Crime in Post-War Naples, and The Invisible Camorra, Neapolitan Families Across Europe, uh, which won the International Division of the American Society of Criminologists um, Distinguished Book Award. Uh, next, we have Kate Thomas, um, who is a senior research fellow and a senior Swan project manager at Birmingham City University in the UK. She specializes in interdisciplinary qualitative inquiries uh, into gender inequalities and contemporary higher education, with a particular interest in spatial theories and creative methods. Kate also uses uh, graphic social science practices and research uh, poetry to disseminate her research. Um, and uh, finally, we have uh, Brittany Gilmer. Uh, Britain Gilman's research and teaching uh, focused on the relationship between the illicit violence, territory, and structures of power. She's particularly interested in experiences and intersections of violence and care, and is currently working on a book about women's role in maritime piracy. Dr. Gilmer is a former consultant with the United, United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the, of the United Nations. So um, thanks again to everybody for joining us, and uh, I will... Uh, I'll hand it over to Philia. Thank you very much, Frederick. Um, thank you very much for joining this session. Um, unfortunately, Anna can't be with us today, but what I'm going to try and do is I'm going to go through um, some, of the, some of the pages, some of the pictures, some of the graphic narrative um, in order to be able to describe the process and some of the thinking behind 
um, uh, what happened. Okay, so um, this is not the front cover, this is the inside front cover because um, Routledge uh, imposed on us a front cover, a hard front cover, which uh, we, will, uh, we, we, we decided that we wanted a separate inside front cover. So this is uh, our front cover. And um, this project I've been working on now for uh, four years, um, and I'm very grateful to the Liverhume Trust for funding this project and also for uh, Thames Valley Violence Reduction Unit. Um, because when I won this grant to um, undertake a comparative study of the role of women in different uh, criminal organisations across Europe, this particular project, this particular um, output was the one that I um, feared I wouldn't be able to uh, find a home for. So I'm very grateful to Frederick um, as editor of Routledge Studies and Gender uh, Sexuality in Comics to actually give it a home because it's a very um, unique piece of work within the sphere of organised crime, it seems to me, and, and also very different in terms of the main aim and objective of this particular uh, work is to uh, translate academic findings into, into uh, uh, pictures and into a narrative and into a story. Um, so this is kind of an extra to what I'm doing at the present. I'm, I'm working on a manuscript to, to put together the academic uh, channel, the ac academic uh, findings, but I also wanted to find another way of expressing those particular findings. So. Um, the project I'm looking at at the moment, as I said, is a comparative study of the role of women in organised crime. And there is literature on this topic, but it's very limited to a certain extent. Um, and um, it's, it's, it's kind of challenging. So just to put you into a kind of uh, overview of who I am, if, if you don't know me, my, my work so far has been uh, focused on Italian mafias, in particular the Neapolitan mafia. And I've looked at the Neapolitan mafia and how it moves out of uh, Italy, its relationship with politics, always interested in the relationship or its relationship with women or how Italian mafias treated women. And, and now I'm kind of opening up that debate to look at different types of criminal organisations. What seems to be clear when we look at um, the uh, literature on organised crime in general is that it tends to be very male focused, male centric, and uh, we talk about a male only world, a macho world, where women um, have a specific role to play or they're seen in a specific uh, a way. I talk about a male gaze um, because it seems very kind of, um, how can I say, men are predominant actors and women are subordinate players and have a very little role or if they do have a role it is either a sexualized role or one where they they are uh, exploited or, or, or marginalized and this kind of came across in the general literature so the main project and what I'm trying to do is to collect research to give a voice to women to try and capture their stories their lived experiences in order to be able to see whether this is actually the case there's a lot of um, history on gender and the role of gender in terms of a category of analysis, which I think is really important and which I think we've tended to forget. In other words, when we look at organised crime, we have so far tended to add women on as an extra or to use the um, subtitle of this book, we've used, we've used them or discarded them as footnotes. In other words, they're not seen as uh, important actors. They're not seen as having a, a role to play or a role that is worthy of our, of our attention. So this research in a way is kind of trying to challenge all of that and trying to challenge that male gaze to say that perhaps we need to look at this again. Perhaps we need to engender the study of organized crime to understand that women are just not discarded footnotes, are just not uh, an afterthought. So 
the research journey, uh, as I said, I, I, I feared this would be more difficult to actually place in terms of where it could be published, but also it's much more challenging research um, because it's not just collecting data and telling a story. It's collecting a data, it's analyzing the data, looking at the different topics that come out, and then also sitting down and having a, a, a two-way exchange with an artist so that there is then the artist who takes on and assimilates the ideas and then develops uh, the research and puts into her own vision. So we've had this kind of three level uh, process, one where I've done my usual kind of collecting data, mixed methods, semi-structured interviews, ethnographic work, collected the, the, the material. Um, I've tried to then put it together as simple as, as I can to, for then Anna to take it on and to have a look at it. So the stories that we tell, we've changed the names, we've changed some of the details, but the majority of the stories, in particular the protagonists in these uh, in these four stories, in these three stories, are women that I was able to interview in different kind of context. And I wanted to focus on specific lived experiences uh, to show what was important about their experiences, but also to show that they are part of a bigger criminal picture, that they're part of a geography uh, of organised crime, and gender is very much uh, within that. So this book is 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 trying to raise awareness that women are not marginal figures, that women are uh, important within organised crime and that we must understand that, you know, men cannot be and should not remain as the basic unit of analysis and that we should, we've got to go beyond this idea of universality of men and that women's experiences are very, very important because otherwise we tend to fall into some kind of stereotypical uh, 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 jargon and stereotypical assumptions about what women uh, uh, do and how they live within the world of, of organised crime. So I really think that we have to see, and I hope that in these stories, we see women and young uh, girls as active agents of history, but also as active agents of their own lives and their own destinies. In some cases, they will be exploited. In other cases, they have choices to make. So it's kind of a journey. And as I said, what I've tried to to do and what we try to do is to reproduce and very much keep to the voices of these young women um, who shared with me uh, their, 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 their journeys and their, their kind of um, difficult lives within the sphere of organised crime. So what I'd like to do now is to give you a sense of the different stories. The first story was the more difficult and challenging story, which was to focus on uh, West Balkan uh, women, um, uh, uh, Albanian-speaking organised crime, and where women were within that, uh, within those difficult and different structures. And um, although I was able to interview um, a victim of human trafficking, and I was able to collect information and data around difficult, uh, different uh, Albanian-speaking drug networks, it was very difficult to get really close to that specific community to really understand uh, what was going on. So we transformed that first story into a more general story about how one defines organised crime, how one studies organised crime, and how one can really try and figure out what is going on within, in particular, the West Balkan uh, setting, because um, West Balkan slash Albanian speaking organised crime gets a lot of bad press. It's very difficult to know exactly what it looks like because the police data at the first level of analysis is not as clear as it should be or is very confusing and the picture is not very clear. So let me share with you a few of the slides that tell the story. Here in particular, uh, two young women 
um, who who we come who I come across um, and and talk to about their experiences of, of human trafficking, but also another young woman who was part of who was related to a, a, a drug importing uh, group into uh, the UK. As I said, the um, this story was particularly difficult and it was very difficult to actually get very close so it, it, it's it's more grey to a certain extent it's more vague in how we talk about those specific women and therefore it's more about me trying to open up and trying to understand the more complex issues around studying organized crime and trying to get close to this phenomena to be able to talk about its particularities and its complex nature so here uh, the first story is very much more about me trying to unpack what organized crime looks like and how we talk about organized crime and how we uh, try and really get a sense of what it looks like. And gender, I would argue, is not <laughs> is not taken into account at all. And therefore, researching it is much more difficult, much more frustrating, to say the least, um, because the police data isn't there. So we need to find alternative strategies to try and identify what the women are doing. And also, I think through my research is to also sort of move away from the fact that women don't have agency and are agency-less and move towards the idea that women are victims, there's no doubt about it, but they also have a certain amount of agency. So here it's just trying to set up, it's trying to show the difficulties involved in, in, in defining uh, uh, specifically specific ethnic groups um, and that we mustn't stigmatize these specific groups and we have to try and understand how they move around and how they become a global force within a local context and vice versa. I find it very difficult that we give labels to groups nowadays when we live in such a global world where communities and we have first and second and third generations of, of communities therefore it really doesn't necessarily it's not very helpful to give a specific uh, ethnic or national label so here this is kind of the, the, the Albanian story trying to kind of unpack how Albanian groups have moved away perhaps also from prostitution to investing in more hard uh, core uh, activities such as drug importation with the blessing of uh, the Calabrian uh, uh, mafia. So this story is, is I, I suppose, kind of, as I said, it's less about the voice, but more about trying to put the kind of context. And then finally, trying to understand that organized crime uh, is complex. Women are within that, but we have to look at it. And we also must not stigmatize certain communities. A right-wing press clearly pick up at the moment we can see in the UK, the whole kind of uh, migrant and smuggling, it's all about organized crime, rather than looking and unpacking and seeing that it's much more complex than that. And it's not about um, necessarily specific uh, ethnicities. So these are the kind of pictures that we've uh, put together in terms of trying to go away from uh, uh, this kind of hyper uh, tension, but also this kind of uh, myths and stereotypes that there are around organized crime and, and it's kind of us against them, et cetera. And it's much more complicated than that. And there are much more structural conditions which can help us uh, explain what is going on. So this is the first story, which was, as I said, the more complicated story because it's the one that we had to put together and we had to find a kind of way forward to try and explain what it was. Whereas the three last stories, the three other stories were much more linear in the sense that I collected the story right from uh, the person telling the story. And therefore it was much easier for us to sort of follow 
uh, their journey within the kind of bigger organized crime uh, network. So Kimi, for example, I interviewed back in 2018, 2017 in the south of Italy. She was a victim of a human trafficking by uh, Nigerian cult groups, by Nigerian brotherhoods. And she explained her journey quite nicely to me on how she was conned into, conned into coming to Europe. She didn't really feel that she um, uh, 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 kind of knew or understood what she was going on. Some academic literature suggests that women know exactly what's going on. Obviously, I think there's space for women to know, but there's also space in the in the, in the case of Kimi, where she only slowly started to figure out what was going on. She only slowly started to understand what was going on. So here, Anna has used a completely different technique to represent the journey across Africa and the trouble and the thinking process that Kimi has. And what I found in particular was uh, important for me in in Kimi's story was the way that she described her madam, the way that she described the journey and she, the way that she described the strength of the madam and also the realisation that perhaps the madam had previously been herself a, a victim of uh, trafficking and also perhaps had been uh, a, a, prostitute, a prostitute in Libya and then in Europe. So here we have a completely different style where it's very much about Kimi's story, about leaving a little village um, a little village just outside the capital of Nigeria where her father uh, decides that she's no longer going to school and therefore, you know, the only thing that she is good for is to be given to this woman who promises her a job, who promises her another alternative life. And she believes in that. She generally believes in that. And then slowly she sees that the, the madam is not, is not uh, uh, what she's made out to be. There's problems at home. There's a, a, her father's not very kind to her mother. There's a lot of uh, sort of issues around the family and therefore she's only too happy to leave. Um, and But then she also realises that by when she arrives um, in, in Libya, that it's not exactly what she was expecting. What was important for me in this particular story is the way that she describes the the uh, juju uh, a ritual uh, a ritual which is used by the Nigerian brotherhood groups the Nigerian cults to uh, how can I say enslave young men and young women into eventually paying a huge sum of money to try and get out of their debt bondage this religious uh, ritual where they have to swear that they're not going to run away that they're going to fully pay the, their 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 debt otherwise their family will be uh, punished was really kind of um, very um, strong and powerfully described to her and we tried to sort of also try and get that to get that right in terms of this kind of religious ritual where these young women really gave their souls to this and completely believed in in, in what was taking place so this again was the idea that this young woman was waking up to understanding uh, uh, what was going on around her and the story kind of comes to an end where she has to make a decision. She arrives in Lampedusa and in Lampedusa she's put into one of the Italian kind of uh, 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 migration centres where they receive people who cross, who manage to get across the Mediterranean and she has two paths in front of her. One where she has a telephone and rings the telephone number she is given because she's been given that number uh, by her madam in, in Libya and she has a future waiting for her or a couple who tell her from, they're from Guyana and they tell her what's going to happen and they say if you ring if you use that telephone number you know what lays ahead you're going to carry on into this life of, of prostitution and you're going to carry on being a pawn within this bigger game and so she manages at that point to make a, a clear decision not to go there and to reject this whole system I must admit that when I interviewed her she was still 
slightly sad about it all because she felt that she needed to take that light she needed to go and meet the man the new madam in order to be able to get her arrested because she felt that what she did her decision saved her but didn't save other young women from being put into that situation um the the third the third um story is a story of a young woman who is caught up in uh, uh, the drugs, uh, the county lines, the drug uh, running and drug uh, delivery across uh, the UK. Again, this was a story that was collected in London by uh, by, by me one afternoon, um, where I was able to talk to a young woman who recounted her her love story with with a young man who promised again uh, the earth and who promised to show her uh, what that she would have lots of money, that she would be free, that she would have a a, a, a good relationship with a young man because at home it wasn't a safe place and it all goes a bit uh, sour and all of a sudden this kind of form of exploitation and entrapment happens and we therefore follow the story of Rosie who is a very young 14 year old who is not happy at home who finds her friends her friendship group as being a very valid place to be and she then sort of gets taken in and 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 eventually put into a trap house where she will sell drugs uh, for her supposed boyfriend and she also manages to escape she also manages to to understand what is going on and how and where she is placed within that kind of criminal structure to be in that vulnerable space and, and where she is being kind of exploited so again here the images are of exploitation, of manipulation, of uh, a, a young people trying to identify or trying to find a, a safe space because home is not safe, um, but it's not safe. <laughs> so it, it's only a question of time before she uh, is manage, she manages to escape. And she's very lucky and she, she clearly says that she's very lucky to escape and that there are a lot of young women in her situation that will not uh, escape, who will be trapped, who will um, be raped and who will be kind of and manipulated and 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 the victims of of harsh uh, violence and the last story um which is a more familiar one for for me in a certain way is the story of uh, of a mafia a boss's wife uh, in particular here I'm referring to the Neapolitan Camorra. Uh, I was able to to uh, to interview Rita uh, in Turin. Uh, she uh, became a, um, um, a collaborator of justice, a state witness. So she was very uh, open about recounting her her story and and her life choices because she decides in the end to uh, turn her back on the organization of her husband to turn her back on her, uh, her on her husband's organization and to break with um and to break with the the camorra the, the neapolitan mafia what's interesting in rita's story is that she is an outsider there's a lot written by academics about being born into a mafia family Clearly in Calabria, that's obviously more, more the case. Here in, in Naples, there are a lot of examples of women who marry into a, a, a mafia family and who then uh, take on the role. And in this case, it's not so much that Rita took on the role of her husband. She was very much... Um, his partner in crime she followed him they were young together she was finally arrested I think at the age of 26 27 when she'd led the clan for about a year and a half and people said she stepped into her she stepped into her um her husband's shoes I would argue that she was always with her husband and one was very much a partner in crime so in this story we try and kind of again represent the chaotic nature 
of 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 Naples uh, to really draw out how the, the the contexts are different between the women as victims, the women as being kind of exploited, and then the women who have their own agency. And in this case, Rita very much has her agency to decide the choices uh, in front of her and to either carry on within her criminal uh, path or to decide that, you know, it's not really for her anymore and she wants to liberate herself from the pressures or the potential violence or death of a rival clan. So again, here, we tried very much to kind of give a sense of the chaotic, chaotic nature. And then we have a, a state prosecutor who comes and, and makes her realize that she, she does have a way out. Death is not the only, not the only um, uh, a way out for her. She can, in actual fact, uh, remove herself, take her children with her, and also try and get her husband to, to uh, accept her decision and to follow her. Now, in this case, he didn't follow her. They never spoke um, after they only saw each other in court and they never spoke and he never followed her and he's still in, in prison. In another interview that I did, um, the man followed his, his, his wife. She said, you know, this is the only way, very much in love, very much kind of, and he follows her. And, and uh, he followed her very much to, to the end because she had the strength to say this is the only way forward. And the two dynamics were interesting. Uh, in one case, um, the, the husband wasn't able to, to break and, and didn't follow his partner. And in another case, uh, he was very much able to follow his partner. So each case is different. Each case is very nuanced, although we, we, cite, we can also find some uh, recurring themes. But the, in the Neapolitan case and the Italian case in general, I think really is quite important and interesting because it shows the agency of women in a positive light to a certain extent that women do aren't only victims and not only being controlled and it's not only a question of coercive control clearly in the other stories that is the case but here we have full agency where women have a voice and they're respected and they are taken seriously so just to wrap it up um what I wanted to show and what we wanted to show in a different medium, obviously you know, the book is very expensive, so it's not necessarily going to be seen by loads of people, but we hope that it will be able to be accessible through libraries to sort of turn it, the, the, the discourse on its head and challenge the uh, assumptions that we have about gender roles and binary gender roles to automatically assume that women are less important than men. And I think that in all the cases, women are more than just discarded footnotes. I think that there is much more an element of partnership, of, of, of co-decisions rather than women being purely victims, footnotes and extras. And I think criminology for a long time has, you know, kind of still like society at large, I would argue, had this male gaze and, and, and either hasn't wanted to or has not been able to move beyond that. And I think I'll stop there. I, I hope I've made some kind of sense and I, and I look forward to our discussion. Thanks so much, Julia. That was, uh, that was really uh, wonderful, a good... Um walk through uh through the book and perhaps i should say that although the the series uh, that the book will, will be part of was not really set up to to accommodate um comics as such right it was set up to to accommodate more traditional scholarly work uh on comics and, and graphic narrative in, in different forms uh but when when philia approached me with, with this project i just knew right away that that would be a really exciting contribution to uh, to the series because of this very sort of unique way of of, of weaving uh, scholarship together with uh, with visuals, um, but uh, I am wondering if uh, Kate or Brittany would like to uh, maybe comment before we open up for uh, general questions from the floor. Yeah, I'm happy to start. 
Um, okay, thank you, Felia. That was absolutely fascinating. That was um, uh, really, I really enjoyed that, and and really, you know, so many, so many kind of things to think about and connections coming up. Um, so my um, my background is that I've I've recently published a what I've called a graphic novella called Five Survive Lockdown, um, which <laughs> holding it up. <laughs> It's yeah, there it is, um, and uh, which is um, based on the experiences of five female academics in uh, uh, five fictional female academics in a fictional UK university during the uh, during and just beyond the first first uh, UK COVID nineteen lockdown. Um, the women represent five sort of career stage academic career stages. Um, they're from diverse backgrounds and with with diverse circumstances. Um, I self-published that um, in September. And um, so one of the things that um, particularly struck me, one of the first things that Felia said was about um, worrying that she wouldn't find a home for this um, graphic narrative. And um, yeah, that is a real, um, for, for, for a, an academic piece of work, that, that is re a real challenge because of the formats, you know, the formats are, are quite different and, um, and so I, uh, for for me as well, there was a, there was a sort of a time critical nature a nature of of the the piece. So it was about the first lockdown, which is already now receding into our into our collective memories, um, and has been you know replaced by other lockdowns and restrictions and variants, etc. So I kind of really wanted to get that that piece out. But yeah, that that whole sense of finding a home is a real uh, challenge for um, people engaging in in. In graphic narratives within a within an academic sphere, the other um, aspect that really um, resonated with me is your you're talking of, your talk of uh, co-production with sorry was it Anna Anna Anna, yeah, Anna, Anna. Mitchell, um, and and that way that you'd had that uh, two way exchange um, with about the work and and then her interpretation of of that and the the, the slightly different uh, styles that were used throughout, which I, I really I really loved. Um, what I found was that I I got to a point I sort of jumped into my project without really thinking it through in terms of its implications and um, realised that I didn't have the technical skills or or capacities to, or, or equipment to, to move it on from, you know, um, pieces of Bristol board, basically, and pencils and pen. And so I also engaged in a sort of co-production with a professional illustrator who transformed um, the um, pieces into, well, straight lines for a start, which I seem impossible, I seem unable to draw, and, um, but also tonal uh, sort of tonal variation um, and clarity and then these kind of PDFs that could then then go to publication and that was a really also a really rewarding process and a really um, I remember just being absolutely stunned when the first the first one came back um, it was like it had taken it on and moved it was my work but it was it was much better you know it, there was much more to it than than there had been before so that was that was really exciting um the final thing I'll, I'll say um just at this point is um what I also found um really interesting about um, your presentation was that discussion about the uh, and the visuals of the present the presence of the researcher 
um, within the piece. Um, so you were very much positioned as as the um, academic researcher, as the academic in this, and um, the kind of knowledge producer, if if, if you like. Um, and I think that's that's also a a kind of perennial question for anyone who's working in this form. You know, where do you where do you where are you in the work? And I, I, I've tried both with being being there as 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 a as a researcher in a, in a previous much much shorter work, um, but also um, I, I, I saw myself in this piece as um, in my in my novella as very much as the observer, as a narrator, but as a commentator through through the graphic um, media as well. So thank you, thank you very much for that. I that was really fascinating. Thank you so much, Kate. Um, Brittany? Yes, um, first of all, I want to say thank you to Ophelia for sharing this and also, Kate, sharing your experiences as well. I haven't done a graphic novel yet, but it's definitely something I'm interested in. So I just wanted to speak more from a criminology perspective and for someone who researches women in, in crime and justice. And I just want to say I feel like this is the perfect time for this type of medium and this type of topic I feel like criminology as a discipline is expanding. Obviously, we have more research on feminist criminology, but I think also with this expansion into more interest in transnational crime and crossing of borders, I also feel like people are much more open and accepting to this type of medium um, with graphic novels. Uh, so when I read this, it reminded me of, um, I've used you know, v, v for Vendetta to talk about you know, terrorist anarchism. I've used Emmett Till, murder of Emmett Till to talk about you know, race and crime. And I feel like this is such an important addition to this growing body of, of crime graphic novels. Um, I have a bunch of chicken scratch on this paper here, so I'll try to kind of work through it. Um, but I just, when reading this, I was reading, looking, the visuals were so powerful to me. I feel like you really did a great job of emphasizing not only the diversity of agency that these women had, but also the strength. And I feel even, even though they were victims, you could see through the artwork and, and their words because you, you know, in graphic novels, you have to very choose the words carefully as well, right? Because they're, they're small and they're supposed to be powerful. And I think you did a brilliant job of that because I felt even the women that were victimized were very strong and resilient. Um, I also thought what was very interesting and I think important and especially the Nigerian case study that you talked about, um, just because I do my research in Sub-Saharan Africa, I feel like this type of medium, the graphic novel is also such an important tool for cultures that are mostly oral cultures or also perhaps might not have a high literacy level or English speaking. Someone in these cultures or they're generally marginalized in criminology research or anything now have an opportunity to look at these. And I would love to hear um, after I'm done you know, rambling on about if you were able to share this with the, the women you interviewed at all and their feedback. Um, so I think it's bringing research to a population that doesn't necessarily look at this type of research. Um, also, I think within the, the visual format of these books, it really does a great job of, of demonstrating or visual or creating an illustration of how complex the spaces, the movements, you know, the different um, the networks and borders and practices that are all a big, large, they play a large important role in this, these transnational and organized crime networks. And you can read about it, but I think when you actually see it in all of these different pages, it just really, it comes alive. And I think it adds a whole different level to the study of organized crime. 
Um, and, it, and then I also wrote here the pathways to crime. We, we, we've studied pathways to crime a lot, but again, I think the visual and just when you were talking about the marriage into these organized crime networks or even like the travel on the boats, like, again, I think those are missed when we read academic papers, but they are right there and they are centered in these graphic novels. And I think that's so important. Um, and then I will just end on and open it up, but I feel like this graphic graphic novel format is so important because it really shows that crime doesn't happen in a vacuum, that these crimes are, are influenced and impacted by and, and are basically co-constructive of the cultures they're in. And Juju is a great example because in human, um, human trafficking discourse, every now and then they'll talk on Juju, but I don't think Juju is really understood on how that operates and how important that really plays a role. But again, it's you cannot miss that when you read that story. It's so important. Um, and, you know, the other victims, like you said, you know, you said that just speaking now, the woman that was, um, she felt obligated to go back and help the other victims. Again, I don't think we, we hear about that enough in victimology studies. And then lastly, you know, just societal norms, gender norms, marriage, culture, all that stuff is captured so well, just in the, in the drawings and the conversations that you chose. And I, I commend you. It was so well done. And I'm so excited. Everyone in my house was trying to peek over me and read it while I was reading it. So I'm excited to see it come to print. So again, thank you for this opportunity. Um, and I will be quiet and open it up to, to whoever else wants to talk. Thanks so much, Brittany. Um, yeah. And just to, I guess, pick up on what you were saying about the, um, the ability of the form to sort of really spatialize or, or or visualize these kinds of networks, these kinds of contexts that uh, that that organized crime uh, happens in, right? Like there's a an ability to really uh, juxtapose that on the page in, in in really interesting ways, and I think that that Philia and, uh, and Anna really managed to to do such a good job of 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 using the form in a in a way that is I think actually quite unique. Like it's not you know like a superhero comic. It's not drawn in any sort of way that 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 looks like a recognizable sort of mainstream type comic uh, but drawing on some of those comics uh, techniques um, and then also sort of mobilizing Anna's very uh, beautiful detailed realistic uh, visual style and, and I think just think the, the the end result is really really wonderful um, anyway thank you so much um, so let's open up for for questions or comments so um, so yeah so someone uh, one of the um, event uh, organizers put in the chat here that if you'd like to uh, ask a question, please just raise your hand and um, and I'll be able to unmute you and, and you can ask your question. Before, before that, can I just respond, Frederick? Can I just Absolutely. make a couple yeah, of comments? Just make a, a couple of, 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 of observations. First of all, thank you both for, for taking time to have a look at it. And uh, Brittany, you'll be my first on my list to send you uh, my when, when it's published. Hopefully it'll be published uh, in April. Um, Responding to Kate and the idea of agency and 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 the presence of the of the um of of the researcher, it wasn't our intention to do that. It's just the way that the Albanian material didn't come together as much as we wanted to, all of a sudden forced us to sort of say, right, okay, then you're now going to have to put yourself at the front of it and sort of lead it in. And we we had this kind of conversation about, you know, it was a good way to start because then it let you know the kind of material then the the, the stories take on their own. But I'm not sure 
retrospectively though I think it was the best thing that could happen because I think that as you say it's the difference between your voice as an academic and writing in a kind of academic pedantic way and that being considered great and all of a sudden here having a voice in a different way uh, where as I said it was very much co-production um, Anna uh, we, I was very lucky to know Anna at the point when I was sort of starting out and we had these conversations so by the time it kind of looked like a more serious project she'd already done one story um, in particular, that's why um, the, the local violence reduction unit came on board and were very interested in trying to take the kind of young woman uh, uh, experience, because we're not talking about young women who are being exploited by these drug blinds at all, um, to sort of be able to unpack that and look at all the kind of firm forms of exploitation, the forms of vulnerabilities. And so I was lucky that the conversation had already started for them, for me to go back and say, look, I've just interviewed this lady. How do you think we can, we can look at it? But it was really kind of very much much co-production there is a lot of Anna within that it's not just me there were my corrections of going no you know there were certain words there were certain things that I just thought no that doesn't work but it was a continuous kind of co-production rather than I do see and, and and it's a different way of doing it of somebody just handing over and saying right you know you do what you want with it whereas for us it was this continuous kind of uh, uh, exchange conversation her coming back and saying I didn't understand that what do you think do you think that looks right but the fact that we had a lack of Albanian material meant that all of a sudden you know I had to that was the only way to sort of be able to sort of get the story to start somewhere by having an academic going in and sort of well, let's talk to to policymakers because they'll listen to me and etc so that kind of worked out kind of quite nicely and the other point I think is 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 it's difficult because and and you know this as well as I do Brittany is is the idea of agency and the idea where it's, I talk about the male gaze more and more now, and I'm not new in, 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 in talking about it. I'm not in reinventing the wheel, but it just seems to me that in criminology, and I'm not a criminologist, I'm a political scientist, so I'm coming from a different angle, but it's just about the way that the men see the world. And I know that a lot of people are, 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 are revisiting, like you're revisiting the Somali pirates. A lot of people are revisiting by saying, let's turn history on its head and let's look at it from a gender perspective, where, where are the women? And it just makes it look, you, all of a sudden you're asking different kind of questions but it's obvious that you know we also have to deal with the idea of victimhood and we also have to idea with the idea of domestic abuse and where do you put that within the picture of agency because women are clearly victims of domestic abuse so are we saying that they don't and, and I noticed that one of the questions says oh how do you deal with the violence of men by women I don't want to disregard that I think that's important but I think that we've also kind of not talked enough about you know women having their own agency women making decisions decisions women being important um important actors and having and being empowered to make decisions and have influence so when i look at the italian mafia it's always about the men and then if you go and sort of take a closer look actually there's a mother there's a wife and why is it that they're less important than the man when in actual fact without the women the whole thing collapses so it's a really difficult space for me because I acknowledge the importance of domestic abuse and violence and these vulnerabilities where men clearly are, are, are exploiting women but at the same time I think we're undervaluing the power that women have as, as, as free agents not to be to, to, to have their agency and to have their influence on male decisions so it's a really difficult I think space to sort of navigate um, but I think it is about kind of you know terms like voiceless ter terms like hidden terms like agencyless it's all this kind of you know we're, we're ignoring the women we're, 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 we're kind of not thinking they're important 
And I think across the, our generation is starting to say, hang on a second, if we take a closer look, there's a woman, if we take a closer look, there's a daughter, all of a sudden, it, where the time is right for us to take a kind of, you know, recontextualize or rethink those processes to say, you know, is, is organized crime just male? Well, in Naples, it's not. I mean, you know, it, it's a fallacy to say that, but we carry on saying it because it sounds good and Saviano's Gamora's come out series 15 or whatever and it's just you know the women aren't there and they're there and I just sort of think that's really kind of a complex picture to negotiate I'll stop there um all right thank you um well maybe I um maybe I have a question actually that I don't think I've ever asked you uh Philia and that is um what like how how did you hit upon this idea of 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 creating this work uh and and uh, and how did you how did you, um, um, I guess, I don't know, how did you um, establish this relationship with Anna and, and sort of how did, how did that, um, how did that come about? Um, were, were you inspired by any particular works that you had seen or, or was it sort of a, a, an original um, idea of, 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 of yours to, to, to create this, this, this unusual um, format? I don't, I don't know whether it was kind of coincidence of um, a coincidence of um, a, a coincidence of elements that kind of came together. Um, uh, um, it, it, it kind of kind of came together of, of of kind of talking to Anna, who 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 was a local artist, and trying to I suppose trying also to communicate and translate academic findings into different mediums. So I'm not an artist. I mean, Kate clearly is is more you know is interested in art and is a good artist and can put these things together. Whereas I wasn't an artist, but I sort of think that you know through videos, through through different kind of mediums, we can try and kind of get people to be interested to understand the complexities of it because. An academic article is what it is, even an academic book, you know, it's it's trying to make it more relevant. But at the same time, I think sort of um, trying to unpack the stereotypes and the myths and, 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 and the kind of easy kind of black and white pictures that we have of organized crime when it's actually very nuanced and it's very kind of complex. So it kind of, you know, came through conversations. And then I noticed that, you know, um, it is something I think in academia, especially in the UK, that is becoming, I'm not, I wouldn't say fashionable, but relevant. You know, people are, are turning to graphic narratives, graphic novels as, as a way of, of trying to communicate and make it more accessible to a bigger public. So it's kind of a combination of things of coming across uh, uh, various things. At the same time, I mean, you know, as, as I said to Kate, I was worried and, 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 and Frederick was very positive in responding to, to this sort of little email that I sent saying, this is what we're doing and, and what do you think? because what I think will be really refreshing about the book is that it'll only be comic, you know, a, a comic narrative, it will be only a graphic narrative. And I think that in a way, Routledge have also been very kind of brave to take it on because I don't know whether they realise what's coming in the sense that there's no text apart from, apart from the pictures that we've put on that page. So it is kind of taking it to, to a different level. And that's what we wanted it just to be just a drawing and, and, and pictures. So um so it was it was more a kind of conversation of things of, of trying to see how how we can use different media to sort of you know make people think about organized crime the dangers of organized crime on the one hand and how you know stereotypes sometimes are not useful yeah i mean um well from the point of view as of, of me as uh, as editor of the series uh, it was it was really um i was surprised at that the ease um of um 
of convincing Routledge to, to go ahead with this project. Uh, they, they were really on board um, uh, right away. And, uh, and you know, even though it, it required them to sort of like change production practices and, and really sort of like think a little bit outside of, of their usual um, ways of doing things. And, uh, but they were really, um, they're really game. And, and I think that really speaks to, uh, I think also what Brittany was talking about, how, how this is a form that is, is sort of gaining traction and is becoming more and more um, seen as a sort of alternative valid way of, 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 of um, presenting academic research. Having said that, having said that, if you'll recall, one of the reviewers was extremely negative about a non-cartoonist attempting something like this. It was just it, clearly there was the the the, the negative. The ne there was well, there's always one negative, but it was very harsh, saying you know if you are not a full kind of full cartoonist with qualifications in being a cartoonist then you shouldn't touch this. No one is allowed to go there if you haven't got you know the skill and. I think that in terms of the content, they didn't get it. And I thought they were very kind of negative about the pictures. Uh, uh, do you remember that reviewer? Yeah, no, of course. And I think that that it really, that was a, a you know, in part of a reaction to um, Anna's uh, style, which, which is not, you know, a, a traditional sort of comics style, but but I think it works uh, so incredibly well for, for this uh, particular uh, project. I think that was the misunderstanding of, of that reviewer was that, that that they were expecting, um, I don't know, like a Carfield type style or like you know that kind of like more cartoony uh, visual um, representation, which is just like sort of the the extreme opposite of what Anna uh, ended up doing. And so, so yeah, you know, there's always um, there's always a, a negative review, I guess. But but we're happy to 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 work through that. I think we. Um, we also learned something from from that review, right? And, and so, so yeah. definitely, um, no, no, definitely, definitely. Um, but but I also um, think that perhaps yeah. graphic narratives and cartoons can also be very adapt, uh, as Brittany said, to more marginal topics, to topics mm -hmm. that we might not necessarily shine a light on, sort of mainstream things that we need to go and have a look at a bit more, in more detail. And I think that then we can widen it out and kind of really shine light on all the different aspects, whether here it's exploitation, vulnerabilities, poverty, or or it's kind of you know drugs drugs economy human trafficking and i think that that's what the beauty of this is that it kind of simplifies it and makes it kind of clear while deal with dealing with some really kind of harsh brutal and violent uh, uh, topics if you see what i mean and i think you're right i think that it, it kind of you know it really kind of shines a light on some things that you know in an academic book will be a paragraph you know be a paragraph at the end rather than putting it at the main kind of uh, in the middle of the conversation and also puts a, an actual visual face on, on on these discarded footnotes right like presents the the, the reader viewer with with an actual face with which to engage with right um, um and i think that's that's really unique that that the form enables that um we have a couple of raised hands here from both kate and, and, and Brittany. so uh, maybe kate first Okay, um, thank you. Yeah, um, I'll just lower that hand. Um, yeah, I just wanted to respond to something that uh, Felia was um, talking about uh, complexity and and ways of um, communicating, disseminating, representing complexity um, rather than a sort of binary um, in data. And um, that was very much behind my uh, motivation to create um, Five Survive Lockdown because actually what I'd done was a was an institution piece of institutional research within my university, um, a survey 
an online survey because we were in lockdown um, about the experiences of living and working through lockdown. It was to all staff, not not just um, female staff. And I was expecting, you know, maybe maybe 100 responses. And I actually got nearly 600 responses, um, um, which for a qualitative researcher is um, is slightly overwhelming. And what it meant was that in order to, you know, properly analyse that data, I had to engage with um, statistical analysis and and, and someone who was expert in that. And what I got out of that was a very statistical kind of report. You know, 70% of people found this challenging, 3% of people found this challenging, and of which, you know... (laughs) And then looking at the gender aspect then. And um, that was fine. And and that was, you know, obviously fantastic to get that kind of response. But I personally felt that I couldn't relate to the data. I, I, I could see it. I could I knew that it was it was you know valid and all that kind of thing. But for for me, what was missing from that was was complexity, was the affect of of that experience, those experiences. And um I wanted to somehow. Well, I wanted to portray that as well because I, 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 you know, we can we can read a report and 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 recognise its import, but then we can put it aside. Whereas if we read a story, then we engage with we can engage with characters, we can engage with 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 narrative, but you can still talk about the same issues and themes. Um, and so, so actually, for me, create, creating the, the, the novella was, was a continuation of data analysis, actually. I see creating a graphic narr- narrative as a form of data analysis. I do other kinds of data analysis as well, and I produce academic papers and uh, uh, books and stuff. But for, you know, I see the visual itself as a source of knowledge construction, which is as valid as other other ways and so um that was that was a, a really big motivation for me so it's you know interest i'm i'm glad to sort of hear that in in Felia's um account as well and also uh, and also i suppose just to go back to before before Brittany intervenes i think throughout this work this comparative research i've done for me it's been important to spend time with the women you know i mean the three women whose stories it's not just kind of you know second hand it's actually spending a day with them to sort of you know uh, more an ethnographic type interview of sort of getting close as close as you can to a certain extent obviously we're all subjective researchers. There's no doubt about it. The, the 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 material I presented to Anna was already my interpretation of what, but she also had the transcripts of the interviews and 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 could take it from then, and we could then talk about it. But across all the research that I've done. I've always found that it's important to get as close and, and spend time and, and, and get a sense of, you know, these women. Obviously, you know, the, the, there are limitations. They tell you what they want you to hear and all this kind of stuff. Absolutely. No doubt about it. But also to get a sense of, you know, who they are and where they're coming from. And that's why the human trafficking story it was one of many stories uh, that I was able to collect and and spend time with various uh, women uh, in Italy who'd been trafficked uh, uh, into Italy and hers was uh, the more striking one because of her description of the madam which for me was so rare because uh, 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 obviously in, in other circumstances women didn't want to acknowledge the role of the madam or who the madam was or the violence towards her whereas she was really quite kind of uh, concise and very clear about the, the woman and also she gave agency to her which I thought was also important that she acknowledged that she had her own agency and that's why uh, that story was chosen but 
um, coming back to, to, to a point that Brittany made earlier, um, it, I, I would love to go back and share these stories, but I have a difficulty in the sense that I fear that, you know, um, in, in terms of the human trafficking one, I went back and said we've, we've developed this and, and, and we haven't actually gone back with the whole story. Um, but I also sort of want to protect them, if that makes sense, to a certain extent. I mean, the Italian, the Italian story, her name has complete, been completely changed. She did sign a consent form. She has had a documentary written about her. Um, but I still wanted to sort of keep it a sort of slightly anonymous to a certain degree, um, protect, protect her rather than to, to protect me. But while acknowledging that it is a true story, you know, it, they are her words. Her words have been used the, as many words, as many of their words have been used as possible. I was just going to piggyback on something that you said earlier that about kind of the counter narratives. And I feel like, especially in the U.S. context, and I know the U.K. a bit because we're starting to get some of your pop culture crime uh, videos and all that trickling over here. And uh, they're good. They're salacious and good. But um, our criminology students, for the most part, that is to them, that is their sensationalized reality of crime and transnational crime and organized crime. What they see is what they believe. And then as academics, we have to counter that and say, well, that's not really, you know, how it is or here's something else. So I, I see these graphic novels as essentially counter narratives or counter graphic narratives to what they are already being, you know, shown in pop culture. And I mean, even you can look at, especially, you know, women criminals in the past, if you look at female pirates, I mean, they're sexualized, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're not, there's, they're just not an accurate depiction of a female pirate. So I feel like these types of graphic narratives are going to be such powerful and useful academic tools because the students and even, you know, the faculty are, are already working kind of in this this realm of, of visual counter visuals that we're having to, to combat daily. So Frederick, you're going to have to do a whole crime series now, just so you know. Um, but it's there. And I, that's why I think this is going to be such an important tool in the classroom. And it's also accessible to the public. So I, again, I can't, I can't commend on how, how important this is, I think, to, to kind of telling the truth and telling the stories of these women. Because it sounds like, you know, maybe you can speak to it more, you've touched on it a bit, like they want their reality shown from their perspective, not just someone coming in and saying, I think this is what's going on. I think that's how you're feeling and, and what you're doing. Yeah, no, I mean, I'm absolutely looking forward to your um, um, pirate comic. That, that, sounds, that sounds great. I hope that's that's coming along. Um, but uh, all right, um, which being reminded that we have 15 minutes left. Um, um, but that is plenty, plenty of time for, for any questions um, from the floor. Can I ask Veli a question? Absolutely. Would you would you do do it again? Would you do <laughs> would you use this method again? So my answer would be yes, but I think what I would do is I would factor in much more the um, I think when I when I when I promised this as part of the grant that I'm doing, I didn't realize um, how expensive, not expensive, but, you know, you have to you have to pay a, 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 an artist for for their time and for their skill. And I think I'd underestimated that. So I think I would do it again. But I think I would factor it in much more into the grant than I than I did. I had started having to swap around my travel to 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 the budget. And I promised a website which. Um, 
I promised a website, uh, which I will probably end up doing as, as something as a kind of some short podcast, but I can do that free because my university has a has a technician who's going to help me with that. So I would have factored that in. No, I think, yes, I would encourage, it's a lot of work. I think, you know, um, I, I, I think perhaps in my faculty, it's still going to be dismissed as, oh, you know, something lightweight, when actually, when I go back and think about it, for me, it's the equivalent of a monograph, the, the, the whole process, the whole research, the, it's much more than just, you know, writing and collecting material, because there's a whole process of, you know, choice of words, choice of pictures, um, you know, uh, where, where, where does the nuance go? So it's much more important than a monograph in itself, because the whole process, you're very much more involved in it. And it does reflect your choices, whereas, you know, in an academic text, perhaps, okay, you know, you've got a chapter and you've given a subheading and the subheading isn't right. Well, you know, people might not realise or, or pay attention to it as much as you do, because you know that you haven't gone back and changed it whereas here you know I think that if you get a picture wrong or if you get a kind of scene wrong or or you know I think I, I had a conversation recently uh, with an expert on Albania and he was sort of saying you know in, in the story I say that the majority of cocaine is imported into the UK by the Albanians and he looked at me and I said well okay we'll just leave it because perhaps it's not you know so so the decisions and and, and, and the kind of involvement you know you, you immerse yourself in it much much more and I didn't think I'd realized that that you know how how that is going to I didn't realize it was it was such a fully involved process and as I say you know um there are I, I can see around me um I have a, a colleague in, in 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 my faculty where they had a lot of money they did some research they handed it over to a graphic or to a cartoonist who did who did a cartoon and it's an excellent cartoon but there wasn't that transfer of knowledge there wasn't that co-production which is the aspect that I wanted to highlight it becomes I don't want this to sound nasty but it became more a kind of you know economic transaction here's our research you now do what you want whereas here there was a dialogue and it was a dialogue between two women of the same age, same ethnicity, talking about these and trying to unpack these very different, diverse and ethnic questions. So it was much more intense rather than just saying, OK, you know what, here's my book. Go and make a comic out of my book and, and just, you know, make your own decisions. So it was much more. I didn't realize it was much more full on. I'm still uh, I'm, I'm really pleased with the result. I think the result speaks to a lot of different levels. But again, I don't know whether in my faculty they'll look at it and they'll say that's a monograph they'll say oh you know it's just a little graphic now, I don't know whether my, my faculty will have the, the capacity to recognize the worth um, that it is you know two academic or five academic journals are better than this and I and I feel that this is so much more this is so much more than just five academic journals yeah no I think you're absolutely right that that people do tend to um underestimate just the, the amount of work that, that goes into, um, into producing these kinds of, 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 of drawings, right? And uh, it also speaks to uh, what, what Kate was saying about uh, drawing being uh, part of the, the process of, of, of thinking through this material, right? And actually sort of sitting down and doing that. So it doesn't stop at the point, as you, as you say, right? Where like, okay, the research is done, now hand over and, and you know, it gets transparently sort of translated into into like a graphic narrative, right? Like that's clearly not how, how it works. And it's very obvious from this work that that you and Anna have really uh, collaborated uh, and, and that there's been a true sort of back and forth about how to present this in an accurate and, and respectful way. So, uh, so yeah, I think that's those are all really good points. And I think uh, you're right that the, the idea of re respect is important here as well, because mm -hmm. 
there are so many sensitive issues you know and mm. i think that's right you know Brittany talked about the juju you know there's all these different kind of very delicate issues not only around gender but all the kind of ramifications around that where you've got to be careful um you know whether all these different kind of uh, of issues that 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 re- could be problematic, but you've and you've really got to think about it because it can make a difference. Um, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, uh, Brittany. I was just going to say I would love, love, love to read an article on the methodology. Mm. This kind of collaborative graphic narrative and the ethics and the process and everything. I feel like that would be such an important contribution to to get other scholars going on this type of research and kind of, you know, talking about your challenges and the successes. And I feel like right there, just that conversation you had would be an incredibly impactful article that we can then start maybe. And then this would also shed some, shed some light on just how difficult this is and how, how it should be valued just as much as a monograph, if not more, you know, cause you're doing multiple things. You're doing art, you're doing, scholarship you're doing research everything but yeah i, I do think um you get change minds and that's probably a good way to start thanks Brittany. um philia is that is that something that that is maybe in the pipeline no that that, that definitely is something to think about absolutely and i see the book in my hands though I, i'll still kind of yeah no i think i think you're right i think at the moment i'm you know i've got another nine months of uh, of, of of free time um before I go back to uni. So I'm definitely trying to concentrate on collecting more data and finish writing what I've promised. But I think you're right. I think, um, uh, and, and, I, and I regret in a way, perhaps not kind of having that parallel process or writing things down, you know, at the time, because now going back, it's obviously kind of much more difficult to sort of unpick, you know, more the challenges we had, the disagreements we had, because, you know, Anna would have go off and, you um, and interpret something and then come back and I would have to sort of say no that's just not right that just doesn't work or there were words that were that the words that were used and we sort of said no that wouldn't be used so it was kind of you know I think retrospectively if I'd known now I would have probably written it down and the article would have written itself rather than now go back and say right okay so what were the major challenges here and, and where did we kind of disagree or where we didn't we disagree or where you know she went off and did all her uh, her, her own kind of research on Nigeria and I got my colleagues who are Nigerians to give us photographs and to work all around that and then we had friends in in in, in Castel, um, Castel Volturno where the Nigerian uh, cults are, are based to, who took other photographs and you know it was it was kind of you know a very intense kind of process and I think that you know retrospectively now it's just kind of a big massive kind of memories and, and positive ones because we've we've managed to sort of get a book contract but at the time you know sometimes it was kind of quite stressful and oh god you know will this ever finish you know we will be able to because um the artwork is very special I think it's very intense I mean Anna has given herself to that artwork it's not just uh, uh, it, it you know she's really thought about the detail of all of the stories and um they're all very different and it's kind of you know it, it's 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 very unique I think and 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 it's sort of intense from that point of view so yeah no maybe maybe yeah um I mean I think that's one of the reasons why uh, graphic narrative or, or, or comics tend to sort of be uh, perhaps dismissed as, as research output, right? Because, because you don't see all that labor, right? You don't see all the, the, um, the visual reference uh, research that you've been doing. You don't see all of that um, just sort of preparation, right? And, and then on top of that, 
you also tend to read these kinds of narratives much quicker than you read a, a monograph, right? So if you read um, a, a book like this in, in maybe two hours, uh, you, you, you don't quite feel, perhaps, if you're not uh, familiar with the form, you don't feel like you've sort of absorbed as much as, as, uh, as you would have if you read a, a monograph, right? Or like your academic brain is not trained in, in, in to, to sort of get the same kind of of, uh, of, of thing from it. Uh, but, but one of the things that, that, that the form really can do, right, is to sort of uh, just visually underscore um, context and, and, and realities, right? So, so just simply by, I think, like drawing a background behind the character, right? Like you, that's not something you would ever really see or, or get a sense of in, in, in like a quote from an interview in, in, a, in a traditional monograph, right? And you can then also in, in this form, you can sort of keep insisting on that background if you want to insist in a specific context, right? Whereas in prose, you can't really do that. You can't say, you know, oh, and the buildings were, I don't know, you know, dilapidated in the background or whatever. Like you can't sort of keep saying that. You maybe say that once that, you know, the context of this interview is, is this, but, but in graphic narrative, you can, you can keep drawing that and really sort of underscore that particular context, that reality in, in a much more, I think, um, just powerful way than, than you can in, in, in traditional prose. Absolutely. Um, anyway, just some, some thoughts. Uh, Kate. Uh, yeah, just very quickly um, to say <clears throat> in response to both Brittany and Thalia's points, I've, I have, um, forced myself well I didn't force myself but um just as I would aim to keep a kind of research journal when I was if I'm doing a, you know a piece of extended piece of research I have now got into the habit of keeping a I don't know what to call it a drawing journal or a creative journal I call I call what I do graphic social science so I I I, I do um I do kind of keep keep a track of of what what I'm doing how it's going how it feels not in any kind of you know um a very very regular way but um I I, I do do that and, and it is resulting in you know in blogs in in, in sort of journal articles chapters etc you know slowly I've been doing it for about three three years now and it's taken it's taken you know a couple of years to to, to get into the habit of that but it's a really good habit to get into mm-hmm. to capture this as you say what what fairly is this great kind of mass of you know blurred memory really so yeah and and it's interesting because i think you need to get used to it i mean you know as as, a, as somebody who studies a specific place you know I, I study the neapolitan mafia i will go and i will do research and i will walk around and i will take notes and i will go back and think about what i've happened the conversations i've had the kind of ethnographic stuff but that's obvious to me but here recording the process of the graphic narrative wasn't an obvious thing yeah. you know um so my, my thoughts about flat you know walking around naples and going into different places you know i go home and then i write it i write it down and i i kind of keep it safe whereas here to have noted the kind of challenges the difficulties the changes and stuff like that you know because it was the first time it just didn't seem and now it all makes sense to sort of say you should have been doing that you should have had a clear a clear mm. kind of you know as you say book with uh, things saying right this happened this didn't so we learn we learn all every day yeah yeah exactly that might be a great note to uh, to end on um thank you so much um to philia kate and, and Brittany. thank for, you very uh, much for joining Thank us you. today and uh, Thank thanks you. also to uh, to everybody attending 
Uh, and if anybody, um, you know, if anybody's working on a project that uh, could work as a comic, please, please do get in touch, and uh, and I'm happy to to talk about that uh, for the series. But um, but thank you so much, everybody, and um, yeah, have a good rest of uh, of the conference, everybody. Thank you for listening to the OC24 podcast. For more talks, have a look at the podcast feed on whichever platform you use. There are loads more to listen to. Video versions of these talks are also available on the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime YouTube channel. If you would like to share these talks around, we ask that you use the hashtag OC24 and let us know what you think. The 24-hour conference on global organised crime is brought to you by the European Consortium of Political Research Standing Group on Organised Crime, the Centre for Information and Research on Organised Crime, the International Association for the Study of Organised Crime, and the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. For more information, head over to oc24.globalinitiative.net. This has been the OC24 podcast from the Global Initiative Against Transnational Organised Crime. Thanks for listening.